Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the PH Nutrition Podcast. Today we are back with a Instagram. This is only a place where we really put the Q&As at the moment. An Instagram Q&A. There are some fantastic questions sent in and uh, I'm joined by Coach Luke as usual, but we've got a special guest joining us because we're recording a little bit later in the day. He's got all of his training done. Um, we've got Coach Tom. Tom, how are you doing, buddy? Good, thank you. Thanks for calling me a special guest. I feel I feel very privileged now that I'm allowed to join the Q&A party. Yeah, you got to step up because we might just get rid of you after on the, from the next one. So, uh, yeah, we're hopefully going to provide some insight. And, Luke, are you, you're doing good, buddy, yeah? Yeah, all good, man. I'm amazed you haven't gotten rid of me yet, but all good apart from that. Yeah, fantastic. Right, we are going to rattle through these because there's some superb questions on here. And uh, I think, you know, unless you're kind of not in the nutrition space on on social media then uh, you you might miss this one but dr tim Spector was on the diary of the ceo recently and there's a little bit of noise around some of the the remarks he made especially kind of regarding calories in calories out so lottie knight just wanted to hear our thoughts on it so that's me and the guys with a a little listen and um, i just wanted to start by saying that actually there's a lot i do agree with on, on from what he says he really focuses on and emphasizes that quality of food matters, but a lot of the time people just focus on calories. And, you know, the, if it fits your macros is not something that I necessarily adhere to. I don't, I think that food quality is a, is a big impact on people's health and, and performance and recovery. Um, I do agree with the, the averages, like what you don't, what you do on average, and you shouldn't be kind of extrapolating little individual things. I think that was good. And I think when he was talking about vitamins being added to foods and like stripping things away and being ultra processed and the quality of those, I do agree. I do agree with some of this stuff and trying to eat as close to nature as possible a hundred percent however when he's calling people out or things out in terms of you know calorie counting doesn't work or calories don't matter i think that's where we've got to draw the line to be like look this is uh, this is something that obviously i think anyone that's even you know a tiny bit clued up would be like look calorie counting is a method to elicit fat loss or muscle gain or wherever which way you're wanting to do it um, there's no long-term studies that prove any diet works. So saying there's no long-term studies that calorie counting is, is, is beneficial, 
all the so all diets they rebound, you know, and and the, the you know the weight regain statistics are pretty poor for any diet kind of being followed. So for me, it kind of he contradicts himself by saying then that it's all personalized. So if calorie counting works for you, then great because it's a personalized approach that, that works for you. So you know, I think there's a lot of contradiction throughout it, and I just felt that now he's basing a lot of stuff around. Uh, blood glucose monitoring and uh, i didn't really agree with how he was then saying how blood glucose drops at 11 o'clock and now that's now blows the idea of calories in calories out out of the water it doesn't doesn't work now i didn't really understand where he got that phrase from so i think there was a lot of noise and i think that it was poor because i think there's a lot of misinformation and contradiction in there which for me would confuse people and i think that's what people have hung on to the calories in calories out but actually throughout it there's i think there's a lot of a lot of poor information and contradiction but i do agree with some of it luki i think we said about the contradictions was probably the main thing that we initially thought that was an issue yeah definitely definitely and as you say like uh, that's kind of the the danger with interviews like this is that these experts will say stuff that is true that works and because there's credibility behind that kind of stuff as well then everything else they see they say might be taken as word so like liam's kind of mentioned there he talks a lot about food quality trying to get as best as you can non-processed foods in eat you close to nature and we know that that is beneficial from a ton of things as well and that is kind of almost like a hook where we know that that's true and then we think okay everything else that this man says is going to also be true and also be yeah. legitimate which is a dangerous dangerous place to be i think the contradictions as liam said there were the things that kind of are, are big red flags like he said speaking about that kind of blood glucose bit there was this one point where he was talking about giving groups of people the same muffin and because a quarter yeah. of these people had a a drop in blood glucose after three hours it means that calories in calories out is not true which it, i again like liam said i don't understand where he's come from with that but immediately after saying that he then said that those people who experience that kind of hypoglycemia then eat more so he was saying that calories don't matter, but this drop in blood glucose leads you to eat more calories, which calories is contradicting matter. himself again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot of those kind of things going around in circles. So it's it's about yeah going into these things with a critical mind and identifying where you can the mm. contradictions and questioning them and going away and, and looking deeper into it and asking like asking us our thoughts on this is a really really good place to start as well because yeah. we obviously are professionals and tim specter is as well he's got tons of qualifications but when you see these people go on to try and sell certain things which i believe is mostly like i know he didn't necessarily mention it too much in the podcast but a large chunk of why he'll have done that podcast is to promote zoe the kind of yeah. tool that he's using at the minute which is like a, a gut microbiome kind of a thing yeah and whenever yeah. someone is selling something, there's always some bias towards a certain point of view immediately, regardless yeah. of kind of if they come from a place of malice or anything like that. If they are able to gain from it, there's going to be a bias there immediately. Yeah, I, 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 we've used the blood glucose monitors with some of them, not the Zoe one, I haven't done the Zoe one, but I have had my gut microbiome tested and I have used the blood glucose monitoring thing. And I think basing something off data like that, I think... It is okay. Data's good, but your blood glucose response will change. If you're trained, if you're stressed, if you're on the move, depending on what macronutrients that you combine it with, you know, so I think just saying, oh, just because you ate a muffin, then you had a drop, then you're going to now eat overeat by 10%. 
it's just like, again, people would look at that and go, oh, I need to buy the Zoe test and, and do this. And I think when he said at the start, I spent a lot of time taking what, you know, people have been taking, you know, been using as a gospel and calling BS. Like he said that at the start and that's what he's built a lot of time. I think all of his uh, stuff around. Look, the gut microbiome is so vast. It's so new. So now he's basing everything on this. I'm saying we don't know enough information to put this much emphasis and say like calories in, calories out don't matter, but I'm going to base all of my stuff on blood glucose responses. I think that that's way too hasty. And in a few years, I think that the gut microbiome stuff that was getting advised is going to be completely different because of them. It was just so early in this cycle. And yeah, for me, I think he needs to be very, very careful with saying stuff like that on a, on a podcast which a lot of people who are you know like you say i listen to and i just think there you go just that's what i didn't that's what i didn't like so uh, i also think tom i know you agree with this but like all of these people that go onto it that these people that are kind of like you know jordan peterson and and uh, you know tim specter and, and a lot of these people i very rarely say i really very rarely hear these people of real authority say do you know what you should do you should just be like Eat enough calories to support the goal that you're trying to do and eat as close to nature as possible. Like, actually, just instead of going, well, I fast, I now eat, like, no... Such an extreme all the time. So, everything's so extreme. Like, why don't they just be like... (laughs) Because maybe it doesn't sell. Maybe that's... That's not sexy enough, is it? I haven't got five books. Maybe that's why I need to be a little bit more radical. You know, create the lion diet. Jordan Peters is following. Like, it's ridiculous. You know, that, that, I, I get annoyed at that, like, but maybe again, that's why they... And, I, and I think follows. Luke touched, touched on a good little lesson that you could take into a lot of things here is that I imagine so many people have seen that short clip on Instagram, yeah. that, which is a, a 30 second clip. First off, like, go listen to more of the podcast. So you get more of a context of what you're talking about rather than just having an, an, a, just having an opinion kind of given to you by what someone's edited out of a podcast. Um, and the same thing could be said for anything like we are all probably very guilty of sometimes seeing a headline in the newspaper in a in a scientific article or or anything and we just we jump to our own conclusions quite quickly so if you can spend just you know a little bit more time just doing a little bit more deep diving let's say go listen to more of the podcast so you can form your own opinion uh, or ask ask someone else like you've like this person's done here which is great but the same could be said you know for a supplement the same could be said for a training program just because you see the headline Hmm. Don't be afraid to maybe just question it. It might be right. It might be wrong. Deep dive a little bit more and, and maybe make your own answer. Yeah, I think you're right, mate. I think you're right. So, yeah, that's the problem. Though. We live in a short form content world at the moment, isn't it? Um, want it quick, want it now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I think hopefully, say people are a little bit more aware of these types of things popping up a bit more often now. And like I say, taking it with a bit of context, taking a step back. Yeah, so hopefully that's put the, the uh, it's going to be come up. Someone else will come up in a few months and say something else random, and we'll be doing another Q and A on it. Yeah, so, uh, but let's get into the let's get into some other questions because there's some really really good ones. So we're gonna kind of rattle through these. So, uh, like Lukey, let, 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 let's dive in with one from from you. So we got one from Andy Sec. I think if I spoke that right, is that right? Thoughts on saturated fats, eating mostly healthy. Yeah. So so this one's a, a relatively relatively cut and dry relatively simple and i think a while back there was a little bit of kind of a, a debate as to whether or not sat fats are the bad guys that, that they've always kind of been sadly both the bulk of the research suggests that there is a pure and simple causative link 
between a high intake of saturated fat and cardiovascular disease. So that is kind of the most common area, I guess, in which saturated fats come up in conversation is risk of cardiovascular disease. And it's pretty cut and dry that high intakes of sat fat, you're more likely to, well, you're at an increased risk of developing cardiovascular disease. That's not to say that if you eat loads of sat fat, you will experience cardiovascular disease, but the increase in risk is there. So most of the recommendations at the minute are kind of for saturated fats to make up less than 10% of your total energy intake. So I know the kind of current dietary guidelines in the UK are something like 20 grams, less than 20 grams a day for women and less than 30 grams a day for men on saturated fats or 25 around and about there. And that is if you multiply that out by kind of the the nine gram, nine calories per gram of fat, that is around and about kind of 10% of what you'd expect for a normal diet of between sort of 2000 to 3000 calories across the day. So that's kind of what you want to aim for is less than 10% of your overall dietary intake to come from saturated fats. So about that 20 to 30 gram mark. If a couple of days, it's a little bit over, a couple of days, it's under, then so, so fine. But but ideally, prioritizing saturated fatty acids is the way to go. And I know there's kind of a fair few people that follow a relatively high fat diet at the minute. But prioritizing mm. those unsaturated fats from stuff like vegetable oils, from stuff like ellie fish, that kind of thing as well. For the most part with sat fats, if you eat relatively healthy, like Andy here, claims they do fantastic there's no need to kind of add any saturated fats in you're probably going to get saturated fats from animal protein if you consume animal protein Mm. that kind of thing even if you're veg and vegan again there's there's no need to add some in you're under that mark happy days so that one's a relatively simple one i think yeah good yeah good stuff mate yeah good stuff like i say if you're mostly eating healthy i think you can get caught up in the details so don't 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 put butter in your coffee yeah, that was a fad that came and gone. I don't know many people that do that still. Um, maybe a few people, but not many. Um, cool. So next one up, uh, Tom, we've got one from Anna, who is just, just finished up. One of, she's on a six-week program at the moment. She's, she often gives us some really good questions. So maintenance calories and strength gaining. I'm, I'm, I'm presuming she's saying, can it be done? Should it be doing it? What's the deal? Right. I'm going to try and keep this as short as possible. You know me, I like to waffle maintenance calories and strength gaining so there's two words there that i don't that i think oppose each other maintenance and gaining now can you gain strength at maintenance yes 100% you can however if you want to get there maybe a little bit quicker and maybe you want to prioritize strength gaining perhaps a small surplus at certain days across the week or perhaps for a concentrated period of time may help you achieve that goal faster that's very that's one of the best succinct answers i've ever heard said very good basically i have been maintenance calories and strength gaining for a while thinking because <laughs> i just don't really like to go into too much of a surplus but that's fantastic like you say can gain strength and maintenance will be longer um, so yeah I, I think that that's spot on like you say if people are looking to accelerate their progress you, you need to be a bit more aggressive but like tom touched on a really good point there you don't need to do it across every day like you can slightly bump your intake on two to three days a week. Often I think people think, that, oh, I need to just bump my calories up and it needs to be done every day. But you don't need to be doing that. So, yeah, hopefully, Anna, that, that helps. It can be done, um, but it's not optimal. The other one from Becky Lala. She's 47, diagnosed with osteoarthritis in her knee and any supplementation that we would recommend. So we're, commonly, people would be using uh, glucosamine and chondritin. This is uh, you know, a couple of the products that have been uh, used historically. Now, these have been shown to show to, to give some benefit, but 
you often have to take them for extended periods of time. This, this is the key thing with this type of supplement. Um, and often people don't. We're terrible at taking supplements and we're terrible at taking them for extended periods of time. If you have, if you are going to be taking that, um, but I don't know if you know one, is it GLC? Is that one that was been quite popular? Yeah. Um, that, that was the Sam Briggs favorite, wasn't it? Sam Briggs. Yeah. So again, you've got to be taking it for extended period of times. And there has been shown research and, and anecdotal feedback from, from some of my clients that it has uh, improved kind of function. Now for me, arthritis is an inflammatory condition. So I would be looking at Amigas, looking, maybe even get your blood test done first and see what your ratios are. But I would say using a fish oil, good quality fish oil, maybe like around three, four capsules a day would be advised. I'd also use curcumin, turmeric, but I would use, rather than adding it to all your foods because it tastes awful and stains your worktops, I would add it to your supplementation routine because you can get a higher dose. And this, again, turmeric or the curcumin, you know, high active compound is, is been really benef- shown to be really beneficial in lowering inflammation. So I would definitely add those three as my stack as a kind of key thing. Now, guys, have you have you ever used any, seen any collagen supplementation for this type of thing? Lukey, yes, no? Uh, collagen, no. normally I see used for kind of like injury as opposed to like the chronic inflammation kind of thing, more like acute um, recovery yeah, from injury yeah. as opposed to this. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't find anything when I was doing some research and yeah, so those would be my three big ones. So get on them. So if you are going to, like, again, start with Termin, start with Fishall. They're the two ones that have been kind of proven to help lower inflammation, which will give you a little bit of hopefully symptom relief. And then if you're looking at helping with, like you say, the, the, the kind of cartilage, then I would be looking at maybe taking like glucosamine and chondritin, but you've got to take it for months as opposed to kind of weeks. So hopefully that helps. Next up, we have lazybones underscore 206. Our thoughts on inotazole. Luke, you want to take this one? Give cool. us, what is it at the first? So inositol or inositol, I can never remember how it's pronounced. I never had to say it. The, the most often kind of place I see it is, uh, it's, it's a supplement and most often it's talked about in terms of like PCOS, polycystic ovaries. That is where yeah. there's a lot of research has been done into this. Um, and it's a compound that supposedly can reduce the symptoms of PCOS and improve fertility as well. And so there's a lot of research that's been done into that. And the research in that is relatively promising in all honesty. So yeah. inositol yeah. as a supplement to help with managing PCOS COS, that is something where it's probably worth taking and dosages for that kind of around 200 to kind of 400 milligrams of it so you can buy that from a ton of supplement stores i know like my protein do myo and ositol that kind of thing as well Interestingly, there's a little bit more research around inositol coming out in different circumstances as well so there's a small amount of research to suggest that it can help improve insulin sensitivity at this point in time i'm not comfortable saying inositol will definitely improve your insulin sensitivity but it's something to definitely yeah. look at for the future, for the studies that are kind of coming out there as well. And with that, there's also kind of a little bit of evidence around it, improving mood and being used as potentially an antidepressant in a higher dose. But that is, again, very new okay. research that is not, I'm not advising people to go and take an hospital for that reason. And in those kind of large doses, the only kind of way where I'd feel like, hey, yeah, it's definitely worth taking it is for the kind of PCOS side of things. Um, PCOS, pretty robust of, stuff on that, there. isn't it? Yeah, 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 especially in terms yeah. of uh, increased chance of, of fertility and improving that kind of stuff as well for women with yeah. PCOS. That's definitely something to look at too. And yeah, as I say, dosages there, 200 to 400 milligrams on an empty stomach is the way to go there. 
Okay, good stuff, mate. Good stuff. Um, oh, good, 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 good. Next one up, we've got one from and over it. Look, Tom, you drawn over it. Is it Mia Hayward? Maya Hayward recovering from knee shin injuries, and if to continue training, she got a marathon marathon soon. Um, got any advice on that? So, st- yeah. staying in my staying in my lane, obviously, but just the disclaimer. Obviously, first of all, if you're recovering from knee shin injuries, please make sure you go get yourself checked out by a good practitioner. Mm-hmm. Like your knees are important, not just for marathon, not just for running a marathon, but for like the rest of your life. So if you have had an injury, it might be worth having maybe a little bit of assessment or maybe go have some gait analysis done. Look at the, you know, what, what caused the injury. Just make sure you're in good stead before you start potentially bumping up your mileage again. And with that being considered, I think first thing to think about, and we, we often see this sometimes when people are going through some sort of phase of an injury, is uh, don't overly restrict your calorie intake too much. Sometimes we can think all oh, my activity levels dropped. I'm not training as much as I was. Therefore, I don't need as many calories. True to a certain extent, but you still want your body to repair at a good rate. And you don't want to slow down that repair and recovery process by overly restricting. Again, even returning to training, I'd rather someone eat maybe closer to a maintenance, particularly maybe on your training day. So you go into your sessions well fueled and then do those fundamentals and basics really well. Now that protein distribution across the day, make sure you're eating a really colorful, nutrient dense diet to support an increase in training volume. But yeah, please go make sure your, your knees are, and shins, etc., are in good stead before you start back. Yeah, 100%. I mean, if you want to get your aerobic fitness up as well, you can do unloaded stuff, you know, bike and other bits and pieces like that would be advised just to kind of keep an aerobic base of some kind, you know, uh, but look, 100% go and get, go and get checked out. So good stuff, mate. Um, right. Iverson underscore guitar. Any thoughts on the carnivore diet? Oof. Well, we've gone to him specter. So let's go into this. I think it's a fad. I think it will come and go. And in a few years time, we won't people to be like, I can't believe you only hate me. You mental. Like, I just don't see it sticking around uh, for a number of reasons. I think anyone that's ever done it, there's a reason why people now go, I'm carnivore, but I add berries and add fruit and I add a bit of dairy and I add eggs because it doesn't work, whatever. Maybe it works for a little bit and you feel a bit better, but um, I just don't see it sticking around for very long. A, because the cost of food is ridiculous, um, meat in, in particular. But yeah, I, I, I don't see that there's... I think obviously some people will see a benefit in terms of gut health and whatever. But again, I just, I, I can't see it being a long-term thing. Like if, yeah, your gut might be feeling better, but you get no fiber in your diet. So this is why people, I think, my opinion, I've now gone, I've done it. I'm now adding other nutrient-dense foods into it because there's just doing it for extended periods of time. I just can't see it. I just can't see it working. So I just think it'll be something that we'll look back in a few years and go, that was a bit of a weird time when everyone was eating liver and carnival only. So yeah, that's my opinion on it. And the, the fact that they say that vegetables have developed defense mechanisms and should be eaten, go and Google the benefits of vegetables on PubMed and then come back and see, see what they say. So yeah, for me, mate, Iverson, guitar, I don't know what you're doing, but I, I, I would be very hesitant in terms of going on to the carnival diet. So, uh, so yeah. Right, next one. Chloe underscore Goldby. What's the best style of training when trying to lose fat through nutrition, stroke training, like lifting, CrossFit, etc.? Tom, you're getting a lot of training questions today. It's I'm getting a lot. Yeah, we'll come. See, now you're I know why you put me on. You're XPT. You can say it. 
Yeah, you're an XPT. You're a coach. You can you can say it. I noted down three things here. One, it's boring, but consistency and enjoyment of what you do is is really important when it comes to your training. If you've got a fat loss goal, and that could be said of your nutrition and that as well, it's got to be something that you can do. Day after day, week after week, it's got to be something that whatever your training type is, whether you want to do lifting, CrossFit, whatever, you want to do it. You want to get up early, you want to go after work or do it on your lunch break, do it when you don't feel like doing it. That's really important. If you're trying to lose fat, you've got to be consistent. We know that. Consistent with your diet, consistent with your training and your sleep. Secondly, I still think doing some form of strength training is so, so important. Um, mm. And I often see people overlook this. They, they think fat loss or they think weight loss and they think right i need to do the high calorie burning sweat sessions six days a week and put myself in the bin uh, which often isn't that sustainable potentially you can create a much larger calorie deficit than you might need which leads to you know maybe kind of yo-yoing in terms of your calorie and energy consumption so i would still encourage you to do as much strength training as you possibly can to help you maintain muscle mass while you're while you're dieting like you want to look good if you want to if this person wants to lose fat what they probably want to, you know what they want to do is, is feel confident in their clothes and having a good level of muscle mass will still help you achieve that look on the flip side of that point number three is you still want to do something that is is good kind of bang for your buck i think this is where yeah. functional fitness is still very popular like in a 45 50 minute session you can do a strength component you might do some accessory work and you do a, a 10 to 15 minute workout that uses a lot of muscles can get your heart rate up. So it's, it's really good bang for your buck. What you don't want to do is maybe this is kind of my old PT head going is, is do kind of, you know, lots of, um, you know, movements in isolation, lots of, lots of rest time, looking at your phone, like be really efficient. So for me, this is where either having a program, having a, having a coach or a PT or having, you know, a structured class to go to, I think is, is really key. So enjoy what you do and be consistent. Still do some form of strength training, even if your goal is fat loss and weight loss. And then, yeah, be efficient. Find something that's good bang for your buck and you can be in and out and done. Yeah, that's no, a very good answer, mate. Yeah, got to be, got to be something you're going to enjoy. Mm. Well, endure most of the time, but enjoy it most of the time. And cool. Last question we have is from Weaver with double R on the end. How low should you cut fats when trying to lose weight? That's actually a really good question. I think because we often talk about cutting carbs and cutting calories. So... We like to, when I'm setting diets up, would be aiming for around 0.8 to 1 gram of fat per kilo body weight, roughly. Okay, so I don't necessarily like cutting that's really low. And I know a lot of like people would do that because it's quite an easy thing to do. Like fats are very calorie dense. Doing that, you know, is an easy, easy thing to do. However, I think that having a, you know, a balance, so cutting from carbs and fats to lower your overall calories and keeping protein intake as high as possible is uh, is how we would approach it, buddy. So as soon as you get down to that, you know, kind of level of around, you know, 0.8, I don't necessarily think that you should be doing it for extended periods of time. So that would be the kind of numbers. Now, if you want, again, you want to drop it down on a couple of days or for like short periods of time, just to elicit a bit of a more aggressive deficit, then cool. But yeah extended low periods of the periods of low fat then i would say that yeah you want to maybe kind of look at dropping from elsewhere carbohydrates and overall calories hope that helps just cool. to kind of caveat that as well liam I, I would say that there are obviously some circumstances where you could go a little bit lower and those kind of circumstances i would say were only if you are starting from a a, a big place essentially if you are very large yeah. and your body weight yeah, is yeah. 
like a hundred plus, then obviously if you're weighing 120 kilos, 0.8 grams per kilo of that is still like a hundred grams of fat or whatever. And I'd say you can definitely still get away with going lower in that regard as well. But that is obviously only a small kind of sliver of the population, really. Anyone that's kind of within the the normal kind of ranges of of, um, MI of healthy weight, that kind of stuff. Yeah, like Liam said, that kind of 0.8 to 1 gram per kilo is a good place to be and not necessarily going any lower. If you're starting from a slightly bigger place, then there is more of a window because you're working with kind of more fat essentially aren't you so yeah 100 percent. i'd still they say if you're 100 kilos 0.8 to 80 grams mm. i'd say like you yeah being low being like say as you're getting heavier probably say like say the heavier that you are the lower that that number could probably be i think you're absolutely right like that's probably a good good rule of thumb to, to kind of follow so uh, so yeah great stuff guys i think that that was that was super super efficient i think it was probably the right word for it so i hope people have got a lot of uh, you know good stuff out of this one and we're going to be doing this today once a month so like i said we'll pop a little sticker little question sticker on instagram but as i said at the start this is where we're getting most of the questions from and we really appreciate them but you can also drop us one on the ph website where the podcast is hosted or just just drop us a message generally contact form messages so yeah hopefully that's been uh, been beneficial and guys thank you so much for listening luke tom Thank you so much. That was uh, that was um, very good. Tom, thank you for your contribution. Definitely on the list to come on to the next one. So happy days. Um, good stuff, guys. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. Uh, share the podcast if you if you like it. Subscribe, and we will see you on the next episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.